Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And baseball fans everywhere. My name is Michael Acolant, and I welcome you to our first annual Metsian Virtually Distance Super Colossus Holiday Podcast Extravaganza. How do you like that? We're all about having a little bit of fun tonight. Uh, first, allow me, I'll read it as I wrote it. We'll start the show with a little. Formal, formal words. I started out jingle bells, wool pond cells, Cohen saves fun it will be if COVID is gone by opening day. Of course, that remains to be seen. Baseball in both action and word clearly took a backseat to our national election. Protests against social injustice and the ongoing global pandemic. And while the year 2020 was illuminating and an awakening for some, it proved devastating for others. A Metsian podcast never tried losing sight of that, seeking merely to respect, excuse me, respectfully provide Metsville and baseball fans with courteous, even sometimes rueful banter and social distraction. So tonight, Sam, Rich, and I, we just hope to bring you a, a fun-filled, amazing end-of-year podcast party. Uh, without further ado, Sam, hello. Rich, hello. There's no such thing as a host this evening. It's just us three. Let's get together with friends who have left gifts for us. Uh, I can't wait to open some of them. But uh, anyway, Sam, hello. Rich. Hello. What's going on, Mike? What's going on, Metsville out there? Uh, all you uh, Metsian folk, it is uh, Sam Maxwell, and I cheers to you. Wish you nothing but the best uh, this holiday week, and uh, just hope that we have baseball under the tree one day. What do you say, Rich? And it's Rich. Hey, hello, everybody, and happy holidays, most importantly. Um, hope everybody's uh, going to enjoy safely and, you know, and, and make sure that we are all able to get together when we can safely um, at City Field, you know, at we don't know when the season will start, but um, we don't know when COVID will end, but let's hope both of those are in our near future. And the most important thing, like I said, is, you know, let's just stay healthy now. Let's take it day by day and uh, make sure we have better times to celebrate in the future. We'll get into some of that. So what do we got? We just wrapped up Hanukkah. Uh, happy winter solstice for all those today. Christmas is obviously on the way. Uh, Kwanzaa observations kick off this Saturday. 
And then in January, you have Three Kings Day. Uh, a little something for everyone. If you feel left out, send me an email. We'll talk about it. Uh, so what do we got? We have. <laughs> so what do we got? We got a phone number. 646-787-1919. Any questions, comments, or holiday cheer, feel free to call. Uh, again, can't reiterate enough. Tonight is about really having fun. We'll get into a couple of Mets things, obviously, but uh, more about closing out the year on a good note. Uh, what do we got? Like I said, we have gifts under the tree, courtesy of friends and and, and guests of the show over the last year. It's something uh, I requested and, well, quite honestly, I'm humbled by the response. Uh, I'm a little choked up right now at the moment. Uh, I thank you all. Uh, I can't wait to get into them. Uh, so we got Sam, we got Rich, we got myself. Uh, for as long as everyone has their ugliest Mets T-shirt or sweater or jersey, if there is such a thing, uh, let's get this party started. And just remember, it's not a party until something breaks. Somebody told me that when I was 16 or so. So, uh, Rich, and I'll... I'll I'll let you know what I'm getting at. Very briefly, let's start off with 2020. It was wacky. And this is what I'm looking to get out of used to. 2020. Maybe it was a year ago, right around this time, maybe November, December, we were talking about COVID. It was still coming our way. And I think I remember saying, you know, for the moment, I'm not changing anything. And then obviously things changed. So I was working my posterior off in January, February, March. Uh, and in mid-March, my wife started working from home. And my son, you know, he likewise had to school from home. Uh, but I was still out in the field. I was, you know, on that essentials list. And then I stopped working at the end of June. I needed foot surgery. Uh, it was something planned, uh, and it went very well, very successfully. Uh, my foot was perfect. Uh, but I was out of work for four months, and I was home with them. And through those four months, uh, all of July, August, September, and October, I spent them writing about Negro League baseballs primarily. Uh, and what a joy it was. You know, and I returned to work, and and here we are, talking baseball with you guys. So that's what I'm looking to get out of you guys. 2020, you know, in, in retrospect, what does it mean to you, Rich? Well, you know, I think what it means to me is a lot of the stuff that happens isn't – I think the world has changed forever. And, and in some ways, it's good. You know, I'll give you a quick example is um, – I travel a lot for work. I think you guys know that. And, um, and I think those days are over. Like I think it, when it was so whimsical to say, okay, go here, go there, go there, go there. You know, I, I would be gold or platinum on Delta every year. And I, I just think that what, what a lot, what one lesson business has learned is you don't need to be face to face all the time. And, and you hear everywhere that one of the lessons that came from COVID is, People don't need to, you don't need to physically go to work anymore. Sometimes you do, and some people will always have to. But 
but not everyone is in that situation anymore. And, and that will change. So remote working, uh, you know, not having the travel that, um, that was a big part of my life, you know, that's gone away now. And, and that's good and bad because I used to use travel. I you know I would go to ballparks. I've seen many, many ballparks when I would be in a certain town. And, um, but that's one thing. And you think about other things. Um, people aren't driving as much. You know, is it better for the environment? Probably is, you know, so, so that's maybe another thing we've learned. But, but my point, Mike, in summary is 2020 to me, obviously a lot of incredibly bad things happen. And it's not going to be something where when COVID goes away, whenever that is, I don't think we're ever going back to the way it was. I think the, this is a permanent change that we live through in our lifetime. I think whether, you know, whether it's the way we work, whether it's the way we play, whether it's um, just things in general, you know, some people are saying that, you know, five years from now, when you see a buddy, you may not shake hands. I mean, it's just, these are, that's just, those are just two examples of probably 10,000 things that may never be the same. And we've lived through it because of this. So, you know, that, that, those are my thoughts at this point. What say you, Sam? Well, you know, I've totally been uh, down with the elbow bump, um, and that that seems to yeah everybody. And it's not like like it's gotten to the point where it's not like some weirdos coming up to you and elbow bumping instead of anything else. Like people get it, and I'm I've kind of gone with it here and there. Um, at some point, I know I have put uh, had a handshake with somebody, um, and because like we kind of both wanted to and felt like, you know, something normal needed to happen. Um, and, and there's so much sanitizing going on. Our hands have never been cleaner, hopefully. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's certainly like Rich said, it's, it's, I think you felt very early on that this may be a permanent change and whether it's just, people's responses i mean it seems that I, I i hope that we're not always wearing masks everywhere we go uh because i would like to go back to concerts um and maybe it's going to be a good not generally 100 percent capacity from what they tended to do uh this is going to change buildings uh, of these things you're probably going to have the seats a little farther apart uh if you know for whatever next ballpark we see um and, you know, maybe maybe they're going to start to expand, like just, you know, take it down to like 35, 37, which does make it a hot ticket. That's one of the things that makes Wrigley a hot ticket. And that's one of the things that the Wilpons were thinking when they made it 42,000 uh, in honor of Jackie Robinson. So, you know, these are things that, that uh, are probably going to be thought of in every single walk of life from here on out. And, it is pretty. It is a a literal, just just the way that we perceive that. It's a perception atom bomb went off, and it's going to be interesting to see 2021. I mean, this is guys. Like you said, this was a year ago that the first one uh, uh, hit, the first strain, the first case. Excuse me. So it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out when this like really. Uh, tapers off. I, I predict June. Um, and at that point, it's probably only going to be 50% capacity, but, you know, us Met fans are definitely used to less, so I'm cool with it. Uh, once again, folks, the number if you want to call in, question, questions, comments, or any holiday cheer, 
uh, call in at 646-787-1919. And if you have a problem getting through on the line, uh, shoot us a tweet. You know, the three of us will be monitoring it. That's at a Metzian podcast. At a Metzian podcast. So, gentlemen, I'm going to read our first email of the evening. This comes to us from our very good friend. Uh, we call him Gary Mack, Mr. Gary McDonald of MetsMusings.com. Uh, and he says, he's, he's sweetened, good riddance to 2020. Not much else to say. God bless us all. And here's to a better 2021. Let's go Mets. Gary Mack. Anything, guys? Oh, it's nice to hear from uh, Mr. Mets Musings, Gary McDonald. Uh, you know, he's he's been around. He saw uh, a game in the Mets first season. Uh, he remembers it all, all the way back there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to find somebody uh, with as much breadth and knowledge as, as Gary Mack uh, has for this team. So he's been around uh, uh, taking this team in since 1962, uh, you know, and I, I wish him nothing but the best for 2021, and hopefully, you know, uh, he can stay uh, safe and healthy, and we all can. Very enjoyable voice to have on the podcast, Rich. You know, Gary is somebody who's dedicated a lot of his time to the Mets. You know, he, he, write, he does his uh, Mets musings, and he's all over Facebook, and he's been doing it for a long time, and he's a Mets fan's Mets fan, you know. Uh, always happy, always positive kind of a guy. Um, it, it's pretty rare you get a negative word out of him about the team. So, you know, I, I don't want to be cliche and say he's a breath of fresh air, but he kind of is. <laughs> that's, that's what I think of Gary. Metsmusings.com. Gary Mack, thank you so very much. Uh, Rich, you were unable to join us during the last show, so we've got a couple of questions for you. Mets signed a new catcher. It's not real Mudo. His name is James McCann. How do you feel about it? Um, good, you know, because here's why. If you put McCann on my left and, and real Muto on my right, I, I would want real Muto. But it's bigger than that. You know, the, the, if the McCann signing, like I believe it will, enables other signings, I think it was brilliant because McCann is not as good as real Muto. That's fact. But McCann is light years better than Wilson Ramos. So you've tremendously upgraded the position. And, you know, the, the, the salary cap, or the, uh, I shouldn't say that, the luxury tax, which operates as salary cap, is a real thing. You know, and, and the Mets want to, they have only so much money to spend to stay under that, and all teams want to. So, you know, they, they got a good catcher, not a great one, but it will enable them to do other things like sign Springer, maybe sign Bauer. And if not Bauer, sign a couple of mid-range starting pitchers. So I think Real Muto would have cost too much and, and limited other things. And also I'd be, you look at the numbers he's talking about. It's insane. The guy wants five years, you know, like 25 to 30 million a year. Honestly, no thank you for a catcher. And sure, there might be a catcher or two to defy those odds and are good at that age. Maybe. But really, maybe not. And for the reasons I've said, I'm completely fine with McCann. Sam, you've had some time to digest it. How do you feel about our new catcher? 
I think you need to keep looking at it uh, in perspective of, you know, the first signing they made, Trevor May, they got, uh, they solidified the bullpen right away, which is what you should do versus what the Wilpons did. And now, instead of throwing out Wilson Ramos, who was clearly in decline one way or another, um, they, they actually signed one of the premier catchers, not the premier catcher, but one of the premier catchers uh, on the free agent market. I think that alone and the fact that he seems like, like once you really start digging into who this guy is and the way he plays, this seems like exactly the kind of backstop you want to fortify what you hope to be is an electric pitching staff um, for the amount of years that he's going to be here. So I, I can't say that regardless of the idea that, you know, JT Real, Real Muto would have been the better right now catcher, I, I think it's completely sound. And Rich, Sam mentioned Trevor May. You need to weigh in on him. Great signing. Um, you know, the Mets saw him out there as somebody, you know, bullpens are a perennial need for every team in baseball, maybe save for the, the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Um, and the Yankees at one point when they had the great bullpen. But, but in general, bullpens, most, team need, most teams need them. Trevor May is a, you know, he's not an elite reliever, but he's very, very good. Swing and miss stuff, all of that. He was available. The Mets pounced, you know, that they didn't wait for someone else to snatch him up. You know, thank the Lord above, we didn't have to hear we're monitoring the market. You know, they, they saw somebody who was good, who fit, and they went and got him. You know, and I've always been a big believer that with relievers, you, you want to swing and miss stuff, you know, because like, like a good friend of mine says, ground balls find holes. You know, you bring a reliever in, especially in the middle of an inning, you know, maybe it's the seventh, maybe it's the eighth, tight ball game, um, and you don't want a guy who, who pitches to contact in that situation. You want a guy who can strike people out, and that's what Trevor May does. He was available. The Mets got him. Fantastic. Love it. Uh, it's funny, and I'm going to stay with you, Rich, that we signed McCann and May before ever agreeing on a general manager. His name is Jared Porter, and you need to weigh in on him. You know, one of the roundtables you did at Mesmerized Online was, you know, what are your thoughts on Jared Porter? And, and you know, my thoughts on him were what I, what I read. You know, because I, did I know who he was prior to the Mets GM search? I did not. And I don't think a lot of people did. But what I read was, was great. I mean, the guy, he's analytical, but he believes in blending analytics, you know, and good old-fashioned scouting, which I think is fantastic. I think that's the way you should do it. Um, you know, he's been a part of two uh, teams that, you know, that had droughts and, and won the World Series. So he's been in the front office. He has front office experience. You know, and, and I was kind of infatuated with the idea of Chris Young because I think he's a great guy, he's brilliant, you know, Princeton grad and all that, former Met. But the fact is, he's never been a GM before. But but this guy, and he's never been in the front office before. He's working. He's been working with Major League Baseball. So this guy has put his time in. Um, he's, and then when you read what, what other people in baseball are saying about him, because, again, I have no opinion, really. When you're reading what other people are saying, that he's intelligent, he, he's a good communicator, he's, uh, he's a good, 
you know, a good team, he's a good man, all these kinds of things. Hey, I'm sold. You know, I'll go with the opinion of people who know him. And, and it's, it's, I haven't heard one bad thing. Everything I've heard from people in the game is glowing. So, okay, good enough for me. So I'm happy with it. I'm good. Oh, and, and can I just say, like, here's my new conspiracy theory that by his hometown team. I think Sandy Alderson, I think it was a coup by Sandy Alderson. That's my, that's, that's my, uh, just the way Sandy is just so much more like, like, all right, this is how, this is how it's going to go from now on. Like you can just, you can feel it coming off of Sandy, the confidence in the fact that the Mets are now ready to be a part of the upper echelon, like the Red Sox, like the Dodgers, like the Cubs and the POF teams and, and, and all that jazz, like, like, it, it, this is that's my new conspiracy theory. This is Sandy Alderson planted this somewhere deep down because just the way the difference in demeanor versus how he was with the Wilpons, who he was able to get to a World Series and should have won it, um, versus the way he's you know going about things now. Like we're finally seeing Sandy Alderson in his real element, and this is it's it's really nice to see and. Jared, Jared Porter does look like, like he's the, the next generation of the wonder kind. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's, uh, let's do something I wanted to get out of the way before. I, I really want to, I mean, when I say shameless, I mean shameless plugs. Sam, everything that you're doing, what is it? Well, the first and foremost, got a, a plug that I'm, I'm working on a documentary about my dad. He's a uh, father, son, uh, brother, actor, teacher, veteran. Uh, looking back on his life and career as he's taking on the biggest role yet, fighting pancreatic cancer. And uh, that's the biggest thing that I could possibly be working on right now. And hopefully one day we'll be able to uh, see it to completion. You know, it's a tough thing when you're doing something so emotional. Uh, but I, uh, I'm, I've got everything behind it, and you know, uh, hopefully we can get make this work. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, giving him a starring role uh, just one more time. So, um, also uh, Bedford and Sullivan. I want to make an HBO style TV series about Brooklyn and the Dodgers, how both were affected by the rapid transition into modern America. Uh, you can find a podcast titled Bedford and Sullivan Brooklyn. I got a page on Facebook. We're uh, on Twitter at Bedford Sullivan. And, uh, you know, we're just constantly keeping the audience active listeners and, and participants in the research process, uh, which is a vast amount of work. And, you know, it's, it's going to take, it's going to be my life's work on top of my documentary. Uh, and I'm right now, I'm really just on Twitter uh, with you guys uh, and, Instagram, I take some photos, and uh, uh, Instagram, Sam Maxwell 9, Twitter, the underscore Sam Maxwell. There you go. Rich. Well, um, so after a uh, long hiatus from doing anything in the written world, um, you know, the Mets written world, I, I started up with online in June, and I, I really do enjoy that. Um it's a great group of people, but you know, the, the site is really good. We have great editors and, and for them, I, we don't have specific roles necessarily, but 
generally I do the history pieces like the past few days. I've, I've done a piece on Pedro when he signed with the Mets. I've done a piece on when they reacquired Tom Seaver, um, you know, things like that. And, and I did something on Gary Carter uh, very recently as well. So I, I, I like to do the history stuff. And then during the season, I usually do the, the series preview articles. So I'm not a big fan of recaps. So I'd rather do the previews and, uh, you know, just kind of, like, take, for example, when the Mets are playing Toronto this past year, you know, I, I, my philosophy is, you know, throw something together that, you know, we don't watch, people don't watch the Blue Jays that much. Who's their best hitter? Who's their best pitcher? You know, what is their team on base percentage? What is their gist? Like, do they hit home runs? Do they steal bases? So I, I do the, the series preview articles as well. And that, that's, that's uh, a very enjoyable thing I'm doing. Well, like I said, while I was home, during the summer months, I spent a lot of time writing Negro about Negro League's baseball, writing, researching, learning. That's the main word I should be using, learning. I'm by no means an authority or an expert, as Sam likes to tweet me to be one. Far from it. I am learning. I am an amateur. But I'm so thirsty to find out more and more and more. Um, my blog is about 10 years old now, the Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. Once upon a time, I had the intentions of starting a Brooklyn Dodgers blog. So therein you can see the relationship to the name that I gave my blog. Uh, and I realized, you know what, I'm limiting myself. And I expanded it to a Mets blog. And I said, you know what, that's limiting myself as well. And I just opened up my blog to everything. I think the name still applies to my life and fandom, you know, originating in and out of Brooklyn. So uh, I do believe it's time to move on to bigger and better things, although I will never retire it. I'll just be looking to uh, add to my endeavors. In in what capacities? I'm still thinking about that. But the podcast is coming. The Trolley Podcast is on its way in 2021. That is my goal. And with goals, sometimes you don't meet your deadlines, but that is my goal. The podcast is coming. And I'm not going to, again, I won't be limiting myself. Uh, it'll be open to all sports, all seasons, and a great range of topics, uh, some of which will have nothing to do with sports and mostly about Brooklyn. Uh, you know, when it comes to Brooklyn, I can't stop shaking my pump pump. So on Twitter, I'm at BTB underscore Mike, if you must say capital I, capital I, meant it to uh, look like Roman numeral two. So that was the idea behind that. And that's my shameless plug, folks. Uh, I, I, I figure the next thing, you know what? This has been bugging me all day, and this is the next question for the room. George Springer, and I'm going to play contrarian. Uh, it's not necessarily how I feel. I want him, but I will phrase this to you guys this way. What the hell is so great about George Springer? Are we overhyping this guy? What is it? What is it that has us just tripping over ourselves to acquire this guy? He hits home runs, but to me, he's not an an ideal leadoff hitter. Doesn't have the speed and stolen base capabilities that I'm looking for. And insofar as leadoff hitters, well, then I'm unimpressed with his on-base percentage. How's that? Contrarian. Rich, take it away. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that has us infatuated with George Springer is the fact that he's available. 
you know, he's not someone they'd have to trade for because he, obviously he's a free agent. And, and as Sandy has said, they, they really, really aren't in a position to be gutting the farm at this point. So, and they need a center fielder. You know, Nimmo's defense and center, I, I don't have it in front of me. I believe his DRS was around minus four, so, which is, you know, pretty bad. And Springer, the thing about Springer is he ha- he ha- he's lately hasn't played all center. Like, he's played multiple outfield positions, which you can look at that, you know, either way. You know, it's just the way the Astros were set up. Or do they have some concerns? His defense in center field is, I believe, his DRS is around zero, meaning, you know, he's basically league average in center. So he's not stellar, uh, but he's better than Nimmo. And, and so – and again, you could get him without having to trade players. And he's a right-handed bat, which the Mets need. So what, what would happen if you sign Springer is you have a better defensive center fielder, you have a right-handed bat, and you're adding a guy who in the last full season of 2019 hit 292, 39 home runs. So now, you know, we all know that might have been aided a bit, shall we say. Um and he did drop the 265 in the shortened season. So, but he did hit 14 home runs, which if you project that, it was 37% of the season. So, if you project that, rough math would tell me it's like over. It's right around 39. It's actually a little over 40. So, um, so that that I think is it, Mike. I think it's because he's a center fielder, at least mostly a center fielder. He's much better than Nimmo, if not great. Significant upgrade defensively enables you to move Nimmo to left field where left field has been a disaster defensively over the past few years between J.D. Davis out there. I love Don Smith as much as everybody, but he's not an outfielder. He doesn't belong out there either. So if you could shift Nimmo over to left field, you've now made multiple upgrades by signing Springer. So I think, I think if you put all that together, that's the attraction. And, and I'll throw in, you know, because I live in Connecticut, he's a Connecticut guy, which is always a good thing, right? So, um, yeah, that's how I see it. Mr. Maxwell. Now, Mike, I'm looking at the numbers right now. He's never had a 100 RBI season. Uh, the closest he came was 2019 when he had 96. He's had 85 and 82. Um, other than that, I, maybe he had some injuries. Uh, but 2016, um, he played in all 162 games and hit 29 home runs and 82 RBIs. Um and, you know, because I'm not going to repeat what Rich just said. I think I'm going to agree with Rich, what Rich just said. Um, he, you know, the dream would be with uh, the kind of protection he could get in this lineup uh, that he finally has his 100 RBI season. Um, I think he immediately makes the lineup better. And it's already pretty stacked. Uh, so that's, those are my reasons. Hey, Mike, I'm going to correct myself. I'm at his DRS right now. In center field, his DRS was six, so he's much better than zero. So you have Nimmo, who I think was a minus four, and you're going to a six. And um, and it's not a fluke because in 2019, his DRS was a seven. Uh, he had an off defensive year in 18, but going back to 17, it was a six. So this guy saves runs defensively at a pretty good clip. And Nimmo gives them back at a pretty good clip. So the defensive upgrade is pretty – it's better than I thought. And he's 270 and, uh, lifetime. And, and also, you know, looking at the, the on-base percentage, he does have a 361 seven-year on-base percentage average. Uh, so 
I, I think that it, it, it's, it's modest. It's not, yes, it, it's not Nemo over 400, Mike, but I, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, like, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more devastating than that. Uh, that's not terrible. I mean, that's not that, it's not, you know, what you traditionally want out of your, your leadoff hitter. But, I mean, he's, he's collected close to 400 uh, walks in his career. So, I, is, is, you know, and I'm not familiar, you guys can answer this better than I, has he been leading off in Houston? Pretty much. Well, there you go. Mike? Well, you know, I'm just playing the role of skeptic for the skeptics out there, you know? Uh, Rich, it's time to open up another little present under the tree. So let's go to, you want to go to uh, our, the next one, which I actually had navigated away from that screen. It's coming back up. So it's interesting. Um, I get to do number two, Ryan Wright, who was on our show. Um, he wrote a book. Brian is an author. And he's also with Mesmerized Online. So that's kind of cool that I get to do his. So what Brian says is, put 2020 in the book. Nice pun there. Um, never to be read again. On to 2021 which hopefully for all of us, Mets fans or not, is the year of promise and good health. Happy holidays, signed Brian. So uh, nicely said, Brian. Brian's book is about the history of the Mets. It's all about, um, you know, what they did on different days and different players and different players in positions and that kind of thing. It's like, it's like a living history of the Mets. It's really good. And I had a chance to read it. And, um, and so, Brian, happy holidays to you as well. Uh, I had a lot of fun during that podcast, again, playing contrarian uh, and speaking for all the Leo Fosters and Alex Trevino's in life. <laughs> Sam. Hey. Uh, you know, big shout out to Brian. Happy holidays. Uh, the book is fantastic, you know, and it, it there's, there's, it, that's what it always is. Yin and yang. Uh, the juxtaposition, you know, to release a book in this year, as Mark Healy was talking about. Um, but, but you know, it, it's it's just you have to adjust. You have to uh, try to figure it out. And that's what this is. This is COVID has made us all do. And you know, Brian has been front and center every day, uh, just putting Mets history out for the fans, uh, like so many do. And he does it fantastic. Uh, as well. So, you know, big shout out to Brian. Uh, again, everybody, shameless plug for Brian. Go get your copy of New York Mets All Time All Stars on uh, Amazon or Kindle or wherever you want. Actually, I don't, I don't know if it's on Kindle, but I'm guessing it is. I'll have to confirm that. All right, my turn. My turn to open up another little gift here. This one comes from Mr. Greg Prince from Faith and Fear in Flushing dot com. Dear Sam, Rich, Mike, and Emetian podcast community, congratulations on reaching the final days of an endless year. Thank you for your company and inviting my voice to occasionally blend with yours. Goodbye, Fred. Goodbye even more, Jeff. Hello, Steve. Please make Mike's Joan Payson statue a reality. And of course, Let's go Mets. Keep the faith, Greg. I got a smile that's starting to hurt my face. It's so big, ear to ear. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Greg. Uh, Hopefully we'll get that statue. Perhaps Mr. Cohen is listening. Uh, But 
thank you very much for the kind words, sir. Rich? Well, you know, that, that is nice of Greg. And, and Greg is uh, Greg's in a league of his own, you know, because I like to think I know a little bit about Mets history. And I remember things that people think are weird, you know, because it's just the way my brain works. But I, I can't hold a candle to Greg. I mean, you know, you mentioned anything about the Mets, any player, any um, trade, anything like that, without fingers on a keyboard, you know, the guy, the guy has it. And so, you know, he, he's basically made a, a living out of, you know, being a Met all over the Mets. You know, he's written books and they're fantastic and he's fantastic when we have him on the show. Uh, Mike, you and I actually had the distinct pleasure of watching a game in person with Greg that, you know, I still look at those pictures with a smile. Greg's a great man. So uh, happy holidays, Greg. Gentlemen, and this is something that – go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I just – you know, when I first started blogging, I, I once wrote about his book, and I called him the Mets fan incarnate. And uh, I made a movie about – well, that, that Greg was basically the, the narrative the, – the nar- sorry, excuse me, the narrator of, uh, you know, when really needing to deliver exactly what the history was like. Uh, on top of telling his own Metsian story. Um, I guess that's another shameless plug for all you Mets fans out there. Uh, The newest breed, a history guide to Mets fans. But Greg is front and center with the Chapman family in it. So, uh, you know, I'm not just giving myself another shameless plug. I'm also giving Greg and the Chapman. uh, it, it, It was only natural to use Greg as one of the key pieces of a project about the Mets. He, he, like Rich said, it's just you, you say any name, and he can probably dig it up in his own personal, uh, uh, that, 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 the, the cranium of, of a filing cabinet, uh, and find exactly what it was like when um, Doc Ellis was on the Mets, uh, or, or uh, you know, the, the day that uh, John Stearns uh, hit a big home run. Uh, that's that's who Greg is, and it's just wonderful to have also taken in a few games with him and and taken in as much time about the Mets as I have with him. So uh, happy holidays, Greg. What kind? Well, we'd be mistaken if we limited his knowledge uh, to the Mets because he is a a a walking baseball encyclopedia, uh, Mr. Greg Prince. And if I'm not mistaken, Rich. Uh, the game that you, me, and Greg attended, uh, it was a, a bobblehead game. I think that was the uh, Mets, Mr. Met on the Moon one, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. It was uh, against Pirates uh, July of last year, and it was the 60th, uh, 50th, I'm sorry, 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And I, I'm actually looking at it, Mike, now that you say that. I've got my, my – I collect the Mets bobbleheads. I've got them in a case right here in my uh, quote-unquote man cave. And I'm, I'm looking at Mr. Men on the Moon that has a prominent place. He's toward the front because I think it's so cool. And yes, that was that night. All right, next topic of discussion of the black jersey, something that Mr. Cohen himself has been involved with. Let me just say this about the black jerseys, alternate jerseys, any other uniform other than the Mets uh, traditional pinstripe uniform. Uh, 
They can sell it. They can sell whatever they want. Polka dots, you name it. I will buy it. I will wear it. I just don't want to see my team in it. One day a week, <laughs> I can live with it. I'm agreeable. One day a week, you know, I, 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 I don't want to, you know, trample over everyone's dream of this black jer- jersey uh, comeback, but I'm against it. I'm against it because of all the hard work that the 69 Mets put into that uniform that within eight years of their creation, they were world champions and they made that uniform iconic. Why would you want to mess with it? I love the traditional uniform. I guess I'm a traditionalist. Like I said, I will buy a black jersey. I will wear one proudly, happily. I just don't want to see my team in it. Sam. Well, I used to have a similar take on it. That, like, I love the black jersey as I would. I, I like. I have a Ventura black T-shirt, a Robin Ventura four black T-shirt. Um, however, it is now part of the tradition. And if there's anything that came from that era that needs to stay away, it's the the black drop shadow. That is the the biggest thing that I care about. Because the black jersey kind of looks cool in a lot. When you're seeing Mike Piazza hit a game-winning home run in that black jersey, you're not telling me you get nostalgic, not necessarily for the black jersey, but for that time. And I think the best way to represent that time is to have the black jersey in some sort of rotation where you can talk about that era and make sure that you are presenting the history Unlike the way the Wilpons did it, uh, you know, and, and to their credit, it, it, it did come to the surface sometimes, but not the way that we obviously wanted it to. Now is the time to, this is 20 years ago now, basically, that this black jersey left the, the, these iconic moments. Uh, you, you have uh, the 10 run comeback, you have Robin Ventura's Grand Slam single. Uh, and plenty of other Mike Piazza highlights. I think it is totally that that is a a, a uh, that 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 is something I can relent because I I think it's the the only good thing to come of the uniform changes. Then, or you know, we're not bringing back the white hats. Okay, we're not bringing back the snow white hats. Let me tell you that. Rich, I didn't like the script that they pulled off in the 80s. I didn't like the racing stripe. I didn't like any of it. Is it just me? No. Um, the Sound of Music was on last night, and there's a song in there that <laughs> these are a few of my favorite things. Well, these are a few of my least favorite things. The black jerseys and the DH. Get rid of them both. Burn them both. Because, you know, the, the Mets are blue and orange. Did I say the word black in there? Did, did I misspeak? I mean, they are black is not a team color for the New York Mets. The Mets are blue and orange. What, what in the world is with these black jerseys? I, I hated them then, and I hate them now. And, yes, I yell at clouds. Okay, but fine. But, no, I, I – I, So, so I, here, here's my question, because I, I think that when Steve was first, like, discussing it, he was kind of talking about it, like – to bring it back on occasion. So would you agree to have it minimally, uh, however, celebrating the 1999, 2000, 2000, whatever you want of that era? Uh, 
Um, two days this year, maybe fine. You know, and I would do it when I when I do it. When I would be okay with it, would be I would think about Mike Piazza. I would think about that, and I would think about you know winning uh, winning the NL pennant in 2000, and I could stomach it for two days. But to put it on a normal rotation, no, it is not part of the Mets colors. It, it just isn't. If you want to do it once in a while to sell a few jerseys and acknowledge the people who wore it in that time one or two days this season and every season, we can all live with that. But, but to make it the Sunday jersey or the blah, blah, alternate jersey, no. That's my opinion. Touche. <laughs> Touche, Mike. Uh, I, I'm still stumbling over myself. I, I just don't want to see it with any kind of regularity. That's my problem. Like I said, one day a week, or if you want to commemorate this, that, the other, whatever, cool with it. But I just don't want to – I want to see them in their traditional uniform on a regular basis. I don't know what a regular basis is. We can define that five days a week, four days a week, six days a week, whatever. But you know what my point uh, – that's where I stand. You know, I'll buy it. I'll wear it. I just don't want to see them in it. Oh goodness! What do you got for us, uh, Sam? Well, I'm I'm gonna uh, take another uh, present under the tree, uh, the Hanukkah bush, the, the Christmas tree, whatever you want. Um, and this is John Struble from Mets Rewind. Uh, such a, a great uh, feed, such a great website, uh, great podcast. He's been having a lot of awesome Mets on there. Uh, I think Dave Madigan was the last one, um, and he says. There is plenty I could pile on the mountain of bad news in 2020, but I am choosing hope and gratitude. I have the honor of being a guest on a Metsian podcast a couple times this year, and for that, I am grateful. Having the opportunity to talk with new friends and colleagues, Michael, Rich, and Sam, about Mets baseball is something I am grateful for. I love the show. I am thankful to be a part of the community of Mets fans. I am hopeful your show is a great success in the new year. Be safe. Merry Christmas, John Struble. And we second that, John. Uh, you know, you just started this podcast, John. Uh, uh, I, I don't even I don't even know the date, but I think it was at some point in 2020. And this was the perfect time to do so and have the, the great guests that you have had on. Uh, so, John, Merry Christmas and, and uh, happy holidays. And we can't wait to have you back. Uh, I'll go to Mike next. I will say this. There's a lot of interaction between uh, him and us on, on Twitter, you know, amongst a lot of us in the, in the Mets community. But I will say this. If you're not going to MetsRewind.com, you're missing out. Don't just follow him on Twitter. Go to the website. It's incredible. Rich. Yeah, no, John, uh, John's a good guy, and I agree. The history stuff to me is, I, I, you know, Mike, you and I go back, obviously, longer than, than a lot with this team, but I love that stuff. Um, it, it brings back my childhood. I hope that it does the same for you. And I think about, you know, I remember these things and what I was doing at that time, and, and it's part of the journey of being a Mets fan. So the work that John does with the Mets Rewind, I, I, I look at it every day. Um, and, and it's just it's just great. You know, it's great. The Mets themselves, I think we all know, don't do a great enough job of acknowledging their history, but people like John make up for it. 
Very nice. Uh, what else is under the tree, Rich? Well, I'm, I'm going to bunch uh, two. I'm going to do five and six. And um, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to start with this. Uh, number five is from really a, a pretty high-powered guest that we had on, and so is number six. And I just want to take a moment and acknowledge the work that both of you do. Uh, because when we have these great guests on, we've had Skip Lockwood on, you know, we've had uh, the two people I'm about to mention, and, and Mike and Sam do a great job. They do the recruiting and, and, and hat tips to them for, for keeping the show, bringing on, you know, great guests, and, you know, whether it's Greg or whether it's whoever it might be, whether it's John or, or um, the first person I'll mention here, Howard Kelman, is a guy who has been around baseball for a very long time. He's the voice of the um, of the AAA Indians in, in – um, in Indianapolis. And, and we had him on very recently. We had him on, I think about two or three weeks ago. And it was a pleasure to talk baseball with Howard. And he says, thanks so much for the well wishes, Michael. Same to you guys. Uh, I assume that's an acknowledge uh, in response to a happy holidays wish. So, um, you know, having Howard on was just, I, I could have that conversation for hours, you know, and I, like I just said, I love the history stuff and Howard's a walk down, not just Mets history, but also, baseball history in general and he's a wealth of knowledge and it was fantastic and then secondly um i think sam you got her on laura goldman who um was such a great find by you because it's great to have baseball people on like howard kelman and skip lockwood but laura is someone who does the financial side she, she told us she's not the biggest baseball fan in the world but she's a business person and she knows about the business of sports and we were able to talk to her about that. And what Laura says to us is remember the stadium workers upon returning for games. And, and how well said is that? I mean, look at Steve Cohen. You know, he just um, compensated the stadium workers, you know, for some lost wages. And, you know, I'll, I'll be a little more generous in the tip cup. I know I, I like to think I am, but I, I think I could do a little more. And so when I get that beer or I get that whatever, you know, yeah, remember these people, these people lost a year's worth of wages. My God. You know, so Laura says that. Remember this for games and good advice, Laura. Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna go with uh right with Laura first that um I started picturing the assholes coming up in twenty twenty one who who are not gonna be thinking about that. And not just not thinking about that, but outwardly completely forgetting the facts, those facts, and, and, and it's very nuanced and just obviously consciousness is nuanced in and of itself. Uh, but I'm really happy that Laura made sure to make this point because that, that is, that is something that I will go out of my way, especially now uh, to remember and to, you know, that, that just, just spread the wealth around, if you will. Uh, it's the experience of the ballpark. Um, it, it's something that has been evolved over time, uh, but I don't think those workers get enough, enough credit. Uh, and it's not all that are able to rotate throughout New York sports and, and New York venues. Uh, a lot of people do. A lot of people are able to work year-round doing that, uh, working at City Field here, Madison Square Garden there. Uh, but it, it, it it isn't always like that, and these games uh, sometimes they don't even get sh- get uh, shipped when the games are here uh, before they're, the team is not is on the road. So that's definitely something I'm really happy that Laura brought up, and and Howard Kelman, who's just always uh, such 
a great guy to talk to about baseball, uh, about uh, everything he's, he's observed, his Brooklyn, uh, his, his, his Brooklyn roots. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Howard Kelman, and we greatly appreciate him sharing the time in 2020. So, uh, you know, happy holidays to him, and happy holidays to Laura. Howard is in my Brooklyn Hall of Fame, a native Brooklynite. So <laughs> unbeknownst to him, uh, my wife has a, co- a cousin in Indianapolis. So uh, as soon as this pandemic allows, I'll be uh, gassing up the vehicle and driving out there. Maybe I'll give him a, maybe I'll give him a, a call and see what happens. <laughs> but uh, he was a wealth of information. Uh, all I can say is wow, wow, about the podcast with Howard Kelman and Laura Goldman. Uh, just wow. I mean, a wealth of information, a behind-the-scenes look at the transaction uh, between all parties, not just Mr. Cohen and the Wilpons, but with uh, Alex Rodriguez and, and, and J-Lo. I mean, that was just fascinating. And, uh, you know, things that aren't necessarily being put in the print medium et cetera, et cetera. I think uh, Rich said it best. Sam, awesome job getting that getting that one. Uh, Laura, she was fantastic, fantastic. And again, Mr. Kelman, he's in my Brooklyn Hall of Fame. Uh, can't speak enough. Uh, well wishes to you both. Thank you. Uh, and I'm humbled personally. So thank you for your contributions to a Metsian podcast. I'm going to open up one. And this one comes from John at MetsDaddy.com. I'll just say, if you're going to go at him, you better have your pads on. He comes strong, but he's amusing and he's smart. So be prepared. Uh, But he's a pussycat. He really is. Uh, And I think deep down inside, he really likes J.D. Davis. He knows I'm just teasing. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, John writes, to a Metsian podcast. Mets fans were better prepared than anyone to survive COVID-19 because we've survived the Wilpons. In 2021, we have a vaccine and a new competent ownership. Hopefully, we can be at City Field this year to celebrate a World Series. John, thanks again. Uh, it's been actually too long since we've last had you on the podcast. We'll be sure to get you on shortly. In the, in the new year to come. Thank you again. And uh, you're a good friend on Twitter. Thank you. And uh, happy holidays to you, John, Laura, and Howard. So uh, let's discuss. Can I just say, yeah, I just want to say, I, Mike, Mike, I'm sorry. I just want to take this opportunity to say no. that Mets Daddy is, is the proper time to not only say uh, happy holidays to him and thank him for the well wishes, um, but I, I, I think that we need to discuss the way that people's vitriol goes on Twitter and that they need like, like sometimes Mets daddy's opinions might be out there compared to the rest of them, but you need to stop like trying to cancel people that way where Mets daddy's not supposed to even have his opinion because it doesn't even make sense if that's what you think. But that doesn't mean that you need to be so harsh. That doesn't mean that you need to be, like, so mean. And and it's quite the compliment, if you think, the fact that people have made uh, uh, fake accounts called Daddy-O-Mets and everything because of of John. So 
it's interesting the way net Twitter works and it's interesting the way this entire social media scene works. And, and so I just wanted to bring up this opportunity uh, to bring up that. Well, and uh, Rich, again, I'm, wish him I'm, well wishes. I'm sorry, Rich, I'm going to throw it to you, but Sam, well done because truth be told, I got way ahead of myself. I was looking at my notes and flipping pages and uh, I, I didn't stop and pause and uh, I got way ahead of myself. So good catch. And uh, again, uh, John is a good friend of this show and a good supporter of ours. I, I just got ahead of myself. That's all. Rich. No, John is, um, you said it best, Mike. You know, he he's very smart. He knows his stuff. Um, he's very, you know, he, he will back his opinion with numbers all the time. Um, and, and in addition to that, <laughs> while he has the numbers, he's also very opinionated. Like, like when the numbers say a certain thing and he, and he believes it, he goes with it. And, and that's okay. We all do that. You know, John is just a little more um, uh, uh, sold on his opinions. That's all. But he backs them up. They're not crazy. You know, he just – and he'll go – and he'll, he'll stay with it. You know, like you mentioned J.D. Davis. It's a great example. I mean, he'll point to the fact that um, – J.D. Davis is a, is a net negative on defense no matter where you put him. And um, that his offense basically doesn't, you know, back up his defense. And then, you know, and, and Davis will have a walk-off, and people will be like, oh, in your face, Mets daddy. But, you know, at the same time, John has a bank of data that he'll point to that, that shows that he's right and he stays on it. So it's people like him that make this fun. You know, it's people like him that um, – you know, we engage in dialogue, we engage in debate. And like Sam said, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I look at the comments when I write a piece for Mesmerized, and, like, a lot of people say, thanks for writing that. That was nice. Some people would be like, oh, why are we still doing history? Because we don't have a future, blah, blah. And then some people will just attack, you know. And I don't know why we have to do that. Like, and I know John gets a lot of that because he's so adamant in his opinion. So why can't we just engage in debate, you know, and, and, and not do the personal attack? Let's make that our, our collective New Year's resolution. There you go. Well said. Uh, I think it's I think it's hysterical uh, when it's conducted smartly, you know. But sometimes people do get out of control. But you know what? John stands his ground. I give him credit for that. He doesn't back down. He'll stand his ground and go toe to toe with you, and he'll do it smartly. You know, it's usually the other person who delivers the first low blow. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to the room mill and scuttlebutt. What happened to the Lindor rumors? They've all of a sudden died down. Guys have any insight into that if you want? Weirdly enough, died down just when Sandy Alderson was saying we could be open to that. So who knows what's going on? Rich? Well, you know, I like to think that, uh, and if you watched that top stuff, it was two weeks ago, they posed that question to the panel. And the panel was universal that, you know, Lindor is, would be a nice to have for sure. But it's not a shortstop's not a priority, guys. You know, it's not. And especially when you're going to have to cough up some significant talent to get this shortstop. He may only be here for a year. Why? Why would you, you know, throw your limited assets at a position where, you know, you have other more pressing needs and you might lose this guy after a season? It just doesn't make sense. So I'm hoping that the rumors have died down for good reason because. He doesn't make sense for the Mets right now. He doesn't. Yes, he's an upgrade over Jimenez and Rosario. Absolutely he is. But for whatever he's going to cost in players, you know, the Mets have other needs. They have center field. 
They have starting rotation. They have Andres Jimenez. They have a, a young, dynamic shortstop. Let this kid play. You know, I, I'm hoping that the reason you're not hearing about it is because, like I just said, maybe because the Mets are out on this, and I hope they are. You spoke of talent. Now, do you think there's any cred, credible – is anybody thinking about this Luis Castillo for – for for Allen Betty and and Ahmed Rosario, is there any credence to this, or is this SNY just you know creating business for themselves? Sam, I uh, you know I don't know. I mean, throwing Luis <laughs> out into the Mexican world uh, immediately harbors up terrible emotions, and then you're like, oh wait, they're not, they're not talking about that Luis Castillo. Um, <laughs> I still like because I'm still a Mets fan that has lived through the Wilson era, doesn't even want to have that name on my roster, but he's obviously a good asset, so I'll pass it on to Rich. Well, uh, that's clearly SNY, you know, throwing it out there for comment and reaction about what they think it might take, and that's fine. That's what we do in the hot stove season. You know, we we speculate. Um, I've seen two schools of thought on that. I've seen, you know, the Mets don't have really don't have many good prospects. Why would you throw two of them into this deal when you're so limited in prospects anyway to get Castillo? The other school of thought is Castillo has three years left of team control, and he's a definite number two behind DeGrom. So assuming they don't sign Bauer, of course. So, um, so why wouldn't you? So, so and it's an article that SNY put out there has served its purpose. It has people talking. There are people on both sides of the equation, which is what it should be. Um, I say, hell no. I say you can fill those needs other ways. You know, if you have to sign a Bauer, if you can't do that, you can't get Castillo. There are other pitchers available. Yes, they're not the same level, but come on, guys. We have to learn our lesson. We just came out of the Brody Van Wagenen era where the concept was throw away your prospects immediately and gather as many veterans as you can. Yes, Castillo's different than Cano. I get that. But at the same time, let's not keep going down that path. I, I mean, you could fill these needs in other ways. Let's try to have something sustainable. And the only way you do that is by holding on to some of your best prospects. So I say no. And it's Ahmed Nazario. It's so depleted. It's just so depleted. Like, what are you supposed to do? You can't. It's so depleted at this point. I mean, he literally, like, anything that Sandy Alderson had touched, he tried to trade away. And, you know, like, now Sandy Alderson's got to get him back. (laughs) We saw what the previous general manager did. You know, we could point fingers there. But how agreeable is everyone to trading Ahmed Rosario? I'm very agreeable to trading him. Rich? I'm agreeable on the right deal. I, I think, um, you know, why not? You've got Jimenez. Um, you've got um, – you, you also have uh, – McNeil can play second. You know, Cano won't be here this year. Who knows about the future? So you've got the Keystone combination up the middle. You've got that figured out maybe with Jimenez and, and, and McNeil. So where does that leave Rosario? I have to tell you, Mike, on, on last week's hot stove when uh, – Andy was talking about, you know, playing Rosario maybe at third, perhaps in the outfield, you know, at Bremer, um, because you and I agree that defense matters and you shouldn't play guys out of position. 
And I, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think the answer is to take this guy and, oh, we'll make you a center fielder. Come on. You know, if he's not in your plans, trade him for something. You know, that's what, that's what happens. You trade players for positions of need. I'd much rather see that than, than try to, you know, retrofit this guy who just he's never played before. Sam, I think it's time to open up another gift. Yeah, and, and uh, just to finish that off also, I think what makes uh, Ahmed Rosario also expendable, weirdly enough, is Louis Guillaume, but we can uh, loop around back to, uh, to that in another time. Uh, our next one under the tree is Jeff Cohen, Baseball and Barbecue. Uh, Rich Sam and Mike 2020 has been an extraordinary year. We have had to change just about everything we usually do on a daily basis. However, one thing that has not changed is passion you guys have for the New York Mets. This comes clearly across on every show. You put out great content, excuse me, fantastic guests, and bring your fandom to life. That is the thing about baseball. It brings generations together. May this holiday season be full of health and wealth for you and your family. By wealth, I mean family time, counting your blessings, and live the best life you can live. May you, Rich, Sam, and Mike, continue your journey on a Netune podcast. The team is now in good hands, and better days are ahead for the baseball community and especially Mets fans. May the end of COVID come quickly, and we can get back to somewhat normal lives. As you like to end your show, let's go Mets. Jeff. Jeff Cohen of Baseball and Barbecue, you all have to go out and make sure to listen to that podcast. They talk about barbecue, they talk about baseball, and they have some great guests, including Ron Svoboda of the New York Mets and plenty others. So check that out. Jeff Cohen, uh, happy holidays to you. And uh, I, we really greatly appreciate every, like this was, this is such a fantastic uh, uh, piece right here. Uh, Mike. Humbled. Humbled by your words. Thank you so much. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe they're going on their third anniversary. I hope I can get confirmation on that. I hope I'm correct. But Baseball and Barbecue, that's baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Visit them. Uh, they have a great podcast, great guests. Uh, super, super, super humbled by your words. Thank you so kindly, sir. Good man. You know, he's very supportive of our show, and I'm glad that we were able to return the favor. Um, he always has positive words to say for us on Twitter. You know, he, he encourages people to listen. When we've had him on, he's a very insightful guest. Um, you know, and, and he doesn't, he's not afraid to challenge. Like, I've seen him challenge people on Twitter, um, whether it's a writer or whatever, and politely, of course, you know, in a respectful way. But, but that's what, we, like I said, that's what we're supposed to do. Everybody has their own opinions, and Jeff engages. And so, and his, you know, their show is great. They plug ours. Uh, two really good guys. It was great when we had them both on a couple weeks back where we had Jeff on and his partner uh, called in, and and, um, and and that was fun. So, Len, and that, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, great people. Jeff, good man. Happy holidays to you. I'm going to pull out another one. Let's see here. This one comes from Big Red Ruckus. The man is one of our biggest supporters. Uh, and really does a great job of lifting uh, everyone's spirits on Twitter. Uh, just fantastic interaction. It's great. 
This is what he has to say. It's a thrill to have found three folks who revere the 150-plus years of New York City area baseball to say nothing of present baseball and the future as well. Thanks for creating and caring for this community and best wishes to all today and in the future. Delighted to participate. Personal best wishes for a wonderful 2021 to the three of you. It's wonderful that you found each other and the rest of us as well. Thank you, Big Red Brothers. Thank you so very much. You know, guys, he says something very poignant there, that it's wonderful that we found each other. You know, we all met at Rising Apple. Shout out to them. Happy holidays to you, Rising Apple. We all met there um, eight years ago, if I'm not mistaken, give or take. Yeah, uh, but well, before we even go there, Big Red Ruckus, again, uh, so humbled by your words. Thank you so kindly. Your support is just through the roof, off the charts. Uh, we thank you. Uh, we're the ones who thank you. Uh, so I'll, I'll pass it off to you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Big Red Ruckus. I mean, you know, he's been on Twitter since uh, 2018, but I mean, the second he found us, which is basically, I feel like within this year, uh, I, I, it's been a lot, uh, you know, in a short amount of time that Big Red Ruckus has just basically, you know, fed my, my time, my, fed my, my notifications. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing the work that Big Red Ruckus does, you know, and, and got to give a shout out to his alma mater, Cornell University. Uh, he, this seems to be his, uh, alter ego. We don't even know this guy's name. He, he, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> what happened? Hello? No. Are we... No, we're here. Hey. Yeah. No, I was just laughing. Rich? Well, yeah, with Big Red, you know, every Friday, faithfully, you know, he puts something out on Twitter with a bunch of people, and um, he's just, a, you know, a, a good, positive influence. So the Twitter can get very negative, as we all know. And um, But Big Red is always positive. You know, like I said, every Friday he does the follow Friday thing, and you know, he'll put something out there, and he'll, and he'll tag a bunch of people in it. Um, my one thing, if he's listening, and he, I think he does. I think he, if he doesn't listen live, I think he listens to the to the uh, archive. Um, Big Red, we had the pleasure of talking to you. As far as my math, only once. I think you called in once. We didn't know who it was. It was an eight six zero number, uh, which I recognize as being in Connecticut and um, Northern Connecticut. And it was you, and it was great to talk to you. But we haven't talked to you since. So pick up the phone, man. Give us a shout. Let, let, let's have some live dialogue. That's my only comment. He actually called, when was it, Thursday, uh, right, Sam? Ah. Yeah, uh, he called, what, what was that episode uh, 69, episode that 69, was, that was, where we got to talk exclusively about the 1969 New York Mets. So uh, right. Mark Healy was on that episode. It's the episode right before for everybody out there listening. So once you're again here, head there. Uh, yeah, that show it. was this. That show was essentially cut down the middle. Uh, you know, we had Mark Healy in the first half. He had time to go. He had another commitment. But then in very timely fashion, Big, Big Red Ruck is called in, 
and uh, we spent the second half of the show with him uh, together. What a, what a great discussion. Uh, speaking of Mark Healy, let's open up the gift from Gotham Baseball. This may sound melodramatic, but 2020 was a reminder that we are all more alike than we are different. No matter where we are from or what our culture or creed, we were and are truly in this together. And I am grateful for you all. Bless you all and thank you for letting me be part of the family. Mark Healy from Gotham Baseball. We spoke about his book. We had a lot of fun with it, Tim, right? Yeah, and I can't wait to read it, uh, that's for sure. Uh, uh, and, and not just that, Mark also was this incredible intersection of what it was like to operate as a journalist during the Wilpon era, and a journalist uh, that was not was frowned upon by the Wilpon regime. So uh, Mark has, and like I, I pitched last week, and i got to make sure he, he uh, picks up on this, he, he's got to write the Wilpon book, the definitive Wilpon book, Somebody's going to need to write it, and and I think uh, there's nobody better than Mark Healy. Uh, and and big shout out to the magazine he's been running for I think close to 20 years, Gotham Baseball, uh, it, that covers all realms of New York baseball. And and he's been keeping the history alive and the current history, uh, you know, because literally every game becomes history the second we live it. And uh, he's he's covering it all. So shout out to Mark Healy. Happy holidays to him. And, uh, yeah, everybody check out GothamBaseball.com. That was fabulous insight into Jeffy and the Duquette years and the Omar years and uh, a really behind-the-scenes look, not, not just, you know, a behind-the-scenes look at the Mets, but into – into media and, and writing and being a, a credentialed member of the media and what he had to go through for, as Mark says, telling the truth. Could you imagine? His book is Gotham Baseball, New York's all-time team. Uh, he doesn't, as we said on the podcast, he doesn't assemble a roster. He assembles a team, eight-position players, five starting pitchers, and a reliever, and he also names a manager – a general manager and an owner, but I mean, could you imagine it? Imagine the great players that got left off that list. Boy, you got to be pretty good to be in his lineup. Rich, any words? Uh, sorry, I missed Mark and Big Red last week. Um, it's just uh, unable to make it last week. But Mark, you know, we've had him on before, and and he's the kind of a guy that um, you know, there's always room for him on the Messian podcast. So. I know Mark has, has struggled with some health issues, so Mark, we're thinking about you in that regard, and um, and your work is fantastic. And you know, please please join us again. So, Rich, here we are. Wow. It's still December, and we think of the off season that the Mets have already had. Think about the uh, bullpen acquisition. Under the old regime we'd have done nothing to this point. We would have waited till late January, early February to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And here we are, they acted in December. So things are obviously changing. The mindset has changed. Uh, The directive has obviously changed. Uh, We talked about Springer. What I'm really looking to emote from you guys 
I'm not looking to get everything done in one off season. You know, I don't have a problem with the plan. Even if it's a, a one, two, three year plan. I know what he said that Mr. Cohen, that is that if he doesn't win the world series within five years, that that, you know, could be viewed as somewhat whatever word he used. <laughs> I'll say depressed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not looking to get everything done in one off season. Haste makes waste. Uh, and I think this new regime understands that. So where do you want to go with that, Rich? No, I, I think that uh, that's a mentality that we don't talk about enough is that, you know, hey, we have a new owner, got a lot of money, you know, the bullpons are gone and all that kind of thing. Well, you know, realistically speaking, what is realistic? You know, and, and I think as fans, we're thinking that, you know, get every player on the planet. You know, it's been long enough. I mean, my God, it's been long enough. You know, it's it's been a really long time since the Mets have, have won a World Series. So, you know, let, let's – I don't – I know to a lot of people when they hear three to five years, that they think that's too long to wait. You know, what, why can't we win it now? Maybe we can. You know, you know maybe the Mets can. Maybe um, – through smart acquisitions, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Teams win ahead of schedule. That that certainly is not uh, – it, it would not be unprecedented. So, but, but I think we have to recognize that if we see incremental improvement building towards something, that that's okay. It, it's tough to swallow sometimes, you know, that because we want it now. But, um, but as long as we see incremental improvement, you know, bringing players in every year and obviously better results on the field every year, building towards something, that's an okay outcome as long as we get to the top of the mountain. You know, it's like riding a bike. If you're, you have to pedal, 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 and keep going until you get to the top of that mountain. But eventually you'll get there as long as that's the case, as long as we don't see, you know, more of the same, which I think is, is highly unlikely, you know, given the competence of ownership and the deep pockets. Um, I think that it is a plan, but I, I, I want to say people react to it. And let's just say we have a full season this year, close to it. And the Mets maybe make the wild card and get bounced in the first or second round of the playoffs. Is that a failure? Is it, I would take it as a positive. I would take it as progress as long as we keep building off of it. But I think to a lot of people, and people are getting impatient now because of the high expectations that have, that have come in with Steve Cohen. So it'll be interesting to watch. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I think, Rich, you said some very uh, key words. Where's your barometer, Sam? Uh, how much pressure are you placing on the Mets front office? I'll, I'll put it this way without putting pressure on the Mets front office. I think the Mets have always been capable of winning the World Series until July. And it's always about what's going to happen in July. I, I think maybe you can discount 1962 in some of those early years. But I think after 1969, the Mets are capable of winning the World Series in any year that they've been in. They just, at some point, choose not to do so. Uh, so, with having said that, I think that anything can happen. Whatever they deem proper for the first year, that doesn't involve a Edwin Diaz, Robinson Cano trade is basically fine by me. And I think that lately we've very much seen, especially the last 10 years after Madoff, how close 
to being great the Nets could be every year under the Wilsons and haven't been, including the year they lost the World Series. So considering that we were kind of singing exactly what Rich just said about making the playoffs and being okay with that, making the wild card in 2015, I don't put it past the realm of possibility that everything finally comes to fruition because we've seen at so many points during the Wilpon era what this team can be on any given day. And who, who knows whether the uh, that culture can be discarded quickly, but I'm not about to – it's not exactly expectations, but I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Let's, uh, let's open up a couple of more presents. I got one here and one for you and one for you, Rich. I'll start. Uh, Mr. John Pielli, great friend of the show. He also has a show, the John Pielli, uh, excuse me, the Pass Ball Show. And he just updated his web- website, johnpielli.com. Let me tell you something. This man has a library of great interviews. I'm talking prominent people. Uh, Monty Irvin, Don Larson, Ferguson Jenkins, uh, Tommy Lasorda, Orlando Cepeda uh, that he's conducted throughout the years. A fabulous library. And again, a great friend of the show. Uh, I probably He's one of the people I know longest on Twitter. Very appreciative of John Pielli. And he writes... You guys do an outstanding job of making your guests feel important. From your insistence of a shameless plug to never cutting me off, even in times where I probably deserve to be, your knowledge about the Mets and Mets history is on a level by itself, and I truly do enjoy listening to your program. This should have some value to it, as I only listen to a few other than my own. Best of luck to your continued success, and I look forward to the next time I can be a part of the show. Hashtag LFGM, John Pielli. Uh, and, and again, I know exactly what he's talking about because he does this uh, very successfully. And like I said, a tremendous library. He just updated his site, johnpielli.com. Give it a visit. You won't be, uh, you won't be disappointed. Rich? Well, you know, John, yeah, everything you said, Mike, you know, he, he is very well established. He's had great guests and he's a great guest and he's on our show. Um, I, I remember a conversation we had with John. It was uh, probably back in May. We had him on when we didn't know what the hell was going on with the season. You know, was there going to be one and all that COVID was spiking, you know, and all of that in the spring. And he introduced something I'll, I still think about that I told people right after he said it. He said, well, you know, they, he thought they should cancel the season. Like he said, you, you should not be playing baseball. You, you can't do it safely. And he, and he created the scenario of um, a runner on first. Well, now you've got the runner, the first base, and the first base coach all right on top of each other. And maybe the umpire at times, right? So any, any like, and the reason I bring that up is it was a very logical way to look at something that was emotional to us. I mean, you know, we were like, you know, I, I can't wait to get baseball started, but, but let's just play. I mean, figure it out. You know, 
I'm sitting here bored every day. Um, but John, you know, very calmly introduced, hey, look, you know, through that in about the situation at first base with multiple people. And, and that's just John. I mean, he has a very well-reasoned, well-thought-out, um, he doesn't get caught up in the emotion of the moment. He's just a really, uh, really solid guy to have on for those reasons. You know, he, he's very logical and, and he's, and he's very smart and he's had, and you can, you can tell, I mean, people go on his show because he has something, you know, he, he's good. He's just good. And so happy holidays, John. Sam. I always enjoy talking Mets whenever John is on and uh, it's, it's just uh, it is fantastic. Uh, I, I really need to listen to his show more. I'm seeing and to plug some of these episodes that I'm seeing on here, and I just subscribed. Uh, but he put Passball Show, uh, it says 2017 to 20 on Apple. Uh, but before that, you know, and we're talking dates uh, such as 2015, um, uh, 2014, a Dominic Smith interview. Uh, he interviewed he interviewed Phillips uh, Philip Evans, excuse me, uh, which is just uh, he he was uh, from uh, Brooklyn, correct? Uh, he was with the Cyclones, Mike. Yes. He interviewed yes. Uh, Todd Zeal uh, going uh, way back, and um, I, I you know shout out to John and happy holidays. Uh, I need I'm so happy to talk next baseball with you whenever you're on. Uh, and I'm looking forward to listening to more of your show. And I apologize that I have not. You got one with your name on it, Sam. What do you got? Unwrap that baby. Well, we got John Coppinger of Metrodamus, who it just always gives a very uh, not not only level-headed view of uh, the way everything is working out uh, as it pertains to the Mets, but a very comical one as well. Uh, so we all want 2020 to die in a fire for many reasons, but not the least of which being that 2021 will, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, that 2021 will see new stewardship of our favorite baseball team. So happy end of 2020, where we hope 2021 brings good health, more victories, and lots of Metsian podcasts to look forward to. John Coppinger, Metsradamus. Everybody go check it out, Metsradamus.com. Uh, and find him as, uh, at Nestradamus on Twitter. He's a lot of fun to talk Mets baseball with, Mike. In speaking with him so many times, I found myself thinking to myself, I never thought of it that way. So originality, I, I would I, I would have to say, and put him in the same sentence. With, uh, I, I, many times I'd be like, wow, uh, I never quite thought of it that way. Uh, so he's always brought a very different and, as you say, amusing point of view to the show. Uh, when I think of John, I think of Jerry Seinfeld, um, because John has that sense of humor that is so, like, he takes real things that are happening and he puts a funny spin on them, like Seinfeld does. And to me, I think Jerry Seinfeld is one of the best comedians I've, I've ever seen. So uh, to me, it's a high compliment to call him Jerry Seinfeld. And, but yet he's also a Mets fan with incredibly deep knowledge of the Mets. And I know he's a big fan of the Rangers. He does some other stuff too, but um, you know, John, John is like the, 
the sense of humor we need. Like he, he keeps us grounded that it's a game and that it's fun. And, and it's, you know, he certainly has the knowledge. Uh, he definitely has the knowledge to back it up. Like I said, but he is, he's so funny, so witty in that way where he could take again, a routine thing and just put a funny spin on it. Like, you know, some, the way he phrases things on Twitter, he's just a joy. I mean, the guy's just a joy. So, John, uh, happy holidays to you. It's been a while since we've had him on. Love to have him on soon. Happy holidays to you. What, what do you got? What do you got, Rich? Unwrap that bad boy. Well, let's see. Let's open this one up. Um, I open up things neatly. You know, I'm one of those people who takes a little tear of the paper. So, um, Anna Bright, <laughs> the Arizona Met fan. Um, so, Anna is someone who, you know, and, and Sam, when we get around to you, I know you, you got her on the show the first time and she's been on many times. I don't know how you found Anna, but she's a joy. I mean, she really is. I, I, she's one of those people that I was following on Twitter. She was following on me. There was no interaction. I would, you know, glance through Twitter. But once we started having her on, I really started paying attention. And, and she's fantastic. I mean, she really is. And so I don't know how you found her. I'd love, I'd love to know um, how you determined that she'd be a great one to have on because she's quite a fine. So what Anna says to us is, I would like to, first of all, wish Sam, Mike, and Rich happy holidays and a very happy new year to you and your families. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you, and I really appreciate the multiple invitations to join you on a Metsian podcast with Sam, Rich, and Mike. I have found myself gravitating to Twitter much more than Facebook, and it's because of my Mets friends. Both of those both those friends I have met in person and those online friends I haven't met but feel like they've been my friends forever. There's nothing I enjoy more than talking about the New Yorker who love them as much as I do. So thank you. Thank you all for inviting me to the podcast, connecting and conversing with me on Twitter and being so nice to me. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it and enjoy the friendship. Stay warm, stay safe. I hope you don't get any other big snowstorms. You know, she doesn't like snow and I do. I hope you don't, get any other big snowstorms and I look forward to talking to you in 2021. Let's go Mets. It's going to be a fun season with our awesome new owners. And I hope Santa is good to you this year, Anna. That's beautiful. Thank you, Anna. Uh, I love that she's originally from New York slash, and she calls herself a Jersey girl and that she's in Arizona. And if she hasn't already tonight, I believe she's tweeting uh, the night sky with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Uh, unfortunately, we can't see it here in the Northeast. It's too overcast. So I'm looking forward to getting back on her timeline and seeing she posted pictures. Or, or should I say her and her husband are out there together on the uh, in the Arizona trails uh, taking pictures. So I look forward to that if indeed uh, they're up. Perhaps not now, perhaps later. A native New Yorker, she's in my Hall of Fame. Uh, and uh, she's always been a great, affable guest. I love talking baseball with her. And uh, especially getting, uh, you know, a, a different perspective from an, another part of our country that, you know, we, we've had the, the privilege of getting different perspectives uh, from different and various points of this country. And I, I appreciate that. And I look forward to that. Sam? Anna has been just outstanding. Happy holidays to you, Anna, and thank you so much for those wonderful words. You know, I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I reached out to her. I just I had this feeling that she was going to be a a perfect 
perspective we needed uh, for the, uh, a Metzian podcast and, and everything Metzian. And, and looking at where she's from, I remember, I think at some point I was driving on the podcast and I was passing through Ringwood and she said, I'm from Ringwood. Uh, like you said, my, she's a Jersey girl. And what's so interesting looking at this map over uh, the, her part, and she's, she's right on the border. Ringwood is right on the border uh, up near Harriman State Park, close to it. Not exactly, but close to it. Um, and, it, you know, you don't realize how saturated and, and green Jersey gets such a bad rap for all the, the plants they have. But you look out uh, at Jersey, and there, there's a lot of, of little spotted lakes on the map here. And right in the, sm- uh, the, the middle of, uh, of the, the border between New York and, uh, and New Jersey is Ringwood. And well, I'm so happy to know Anna and know that detail of her because it, it just reminds me that I've been driving around New Jersey for the last two years. So thank you, Anna, and uh, well wishes to you and your family. Now, Sam, if you don't mind, being as you're our president of podcast operations, I'm going to give you the honor of opening up this one last big one. Uh, Oh, the Gil Hodges gift. That's what we're hoping. (laughs) What we're really hoping for is that Under the Tree, number 14, is in the Hall of Fame next year. But we'll talk about that another time. Number 14, Uh, Long Island Mike. What's number 14? See what we did there? <laughs> yeah, lucky number fourteen. At the end of twenty twenty, uh, Long Island Mike L I weather. Let me just say before I start reading what he has to say, guy has been tweeting about the weather since he was in high school. He's been doing, he's been studying how to be a meteorologist, and and and, and lately, when the snowstorm was coming, he, I, I you know, I, I think he can go back. You'll see. He predicted it pretty spot on, uh, and and he of course operates in Long Island, Long Island, Mike. Uh, And he says, as the end of 2020 uh, nears, which has been an interesting year to say the least, we do have some positives during the middle of a pandemic. The Mets are rich, thanks to Uncle Steve. We no longer have to ever hear the Wilpons' names again. We are now a competent organization that no one will make fun of. (laughs) 2020 was interesting in many ways, uh, and in many ways, just plain old stuff. Let's hope for more positives in 2021 and the next in the World Series. Happy holidays to all. Stay safe and healthy, and let's go next. I, first of all, it's just it's very much Long Island Mets, Long Island Mike form uh, with the idea that, and what is it? Uh, we are now a confident organization that no one will make fun of. Let's slow down a bit, I would still say, because we can't, it's still, you know, it, it, we're in the honeymoon phase like you like to say, uh, Mike, but and I'm talking about Mike McColant. Uh, L.I. Mike is the only way, is the only way we refer to him because you are Mike McColant. So, Mike, go ahead, you know, uh, uh, well wishes to L.I. Mike. We appreciate it. You know what? I think that was very well said. Uh, I'm smiling again because I think it's important that we have uh, voices of all generations. And he represents a younger generation. And uh, I wish him well. I I wish him a lot of luck in his his endeavors. As you say, 
He's a studying meteorologist. And uh, I do look at his timeline when I'm curious about weather, you know, and uh, I wish him well. And I, I, in all honesty, I believe what he said was very well said. Again, I, I think it's important that we incorporate uh, voices from all generations. And he would be on the younger side. We've had, we've had baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and uh, any Gen Zers? I'm not so sure. But uh, I, I think it's important that everyone gets a, a chance to say whatever it is that they choose to say in the manner in which they want to say it. So, well said, Mike. Rich? You, you know, I've had the, the pleasure of meeting Mike a few times and um, actually watched a few innings of games at City with him on a couple of different occasions. And, um, you know, he, I met him, I think he was a, sophomore in high school maybe or maybe a junior I think it was a sophomore and he knew right away he wanted to be a meteorologist and that was his thing and um it's something that was my initial major as well in college um and so we had that in common we talked about that and you know we talked about La Nina and you know El Nino and stuff like that while we were watching the Mets and um but good for him you know he, he had it in his mind from the time he was 15 I think when he first called us I believe now he's a sophomore or junior in college, I think, and he's pursuing his degree and um, and he has a great Twitter feed with you know he'll put together his own snowfall maps and stuff like that, his own hurricane projection maps. I mean, this is a young man still, and you know he's doing this stuff on his own. And like Sam said, I, I was all over his Twitter feed in the most recent snowstorm, and he he was he was just as good as the professional. I'll tell you that. I know he's a passionate Mets fan. He's, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's like the guy, I think I said this to him. I'm not talking about him behind his back. And when you got, we had him on the phone, I said, Mike, you know, you're, you're kind of like the people in the diner, you know, like you're angry about the Mets all the time. And it's funny. It's funny as hell. You know, he, he, um, he tends to take the negative look at things and, um, but he does it in a funny way. And he, you know, he's fun to talk to. He hasn't called in, oof, I think it's been years now, but, um, Mike was one of the first callers we ever had, and it's good to see him doing well and pursuing his dreams to be a meteorologist. So happy holidays, Mike, and, and keep up the good work. Uh, I put out the request for these emails. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for their responses. I was just looking for an end-of-year message, and, and what we got back was so much more. Uh, Obviously, I had to share with the guys at some point coordination and logistics purposes, but uh, at some point, you know, I maintained the surprise. If, if for only a couple of days, uh, I was happy to put this together. Uh, but in humble depreciation, I can't thank everybody enough for your so very kind words. And, uh, you know, everything you've done and contributed to uh, a Metsian podcast. So, you know, the three of us, we we raise a collective toast to you all and say thank you. Thank you very kindly. Sam? Uh, you know, it was really incredible what you put together, Mike, and we greatly appreciate everybody, uh, you know, turning their, the, uh, the request into such beautiful words that, that are, you know, very, very thought-provoking as well. You know, just even even in just, like, well wishes, you know, just 
this positive attitude and these good feelings, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we typically certainly tend to have good podcasts, even when the Mets are, are, are doing poorly and, and, and positive ones, you know, and are able to make light of the situation, you know, especially because we know that out there past everything, past this whole Mets world of what actually matters, uh, it, there, there's real things going on. So why bring negative to this? And, and everybody here brought such amazing positivity. Uh, and and it, um, we're, we're blessed and thrilled that we've had all of them on to give their angle about the New York Mets. So thank you to each and every one of you. And, and I, I greatly appreciate that, you know, the, the three of us have basically been podcasting since 2013 when we launched it as the Rising Apple Report. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it was a thrill to do it over there, and it's a thrill to do it over here. And, and uh, let's keep uh, the Metsian spirit alive. Mike? I had my say. I pass it to Rich. Well, you know, Mike, it was a great idea, and thank you for doing that. You know, you were obviously the mastermind behind uh, getting the year-end thoughts from the guests that we've had over the over the year. Um, you know, it, it, it's I, I think I'll put together what basically everybody said. You know, just kind of co- combining everything into one statement here, which is it's great that we could get together with people with similar interests. You know, it, that's good in any aspect of life. You know, whether it's you're into playing chess and you hang out with people and you're on a blog where people talk about that's your thing. That's great. You know, you're hanging around like-minded people, you share ideas and you have some fun with it. That's what we do here. You know, we're passionate baseball fans, obviously particularly passionate about the Mets. And we found each other through rising apple, but we found all these great people over the, you know, over the years that we've been doing this, you know, whether it's, it's Greg or whether it's Metro Domus or, or, you know, Coop is a name we haven't mentioned tonight, but, you know, she's joined us many times and other people, John, the John uh, Pielli and uh, John Struble, all these folks who have, who have come on the show, you know, you, even though we've not met a lot of them, I think here and there in person, but you, you almost feel like you don't have to, you feel like you're, your your extended friends, um, you almost feel like you know them even though you don't really. And it's just, it's great to be around. It's a community and it's great to be part of this community. Um, you know, for those who don't know, Mike and Sam do a lot more work on this than I do. They, they're, and I, I thank you both. And I say that from the bottom of my heart, you know, I know you guys put a ton into this and, and getting guests and stuff like that. You guys are the lifeblood. So, uh, and it enables this community to keep going forward. So it's great to be around not only them, the the guests that we've had and the the emails we've read, but also you two guys as well. Uh, You mentioned the coop. Shout out to the coop. Likewise, I'm in lockstep with you there. Uh, I'm sure Sam is. I'll throw another one out there. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tim Healy of Newsday, great guest on the show. Sam? Tim Healy has just been, uh, you know, basically our uh, our peek through the keyhole of what's going on in the beat world. And uh, Tim's been fantastic. Uh, I I I, we, I can't really say enough about the work that he does. And, and you know, I, I what's unbelievable I think about Tim is that he has kind of a messy and pop culture moment when the clubhouse incident occurred. And obviously he doesn't. I think, to his credit, and we don't want to talk about it uh, with him, 
but but I, I think just have to give a shout out to Tim for the way he stayed steady during it and, and the fact that he kind of just like brushed it off himself off of his shoulder. He was so calm and cool and that's what is it allows him to do his job correctly. And and so, you know, I, I Tim Tim has been a welcome refreshment of the beat world. Uh, and and we're we're happy that uh, just like Jared Porter, the next generation of this this great game that we call baseball, and the beat world, of course, is a major part of it. Uh, we you know it it, it and and Mike, I'm going to pass this on to to you afterwards. But it, the history of you know following this sport in the newspaper is something we could do a, a, a bigger job of talking about too. Speechless. Uh, I have nothing other to say other than you're right. Thousand thought bubbles just exploded over my head. So, you know, there's food for thought. We need to jump on that and see what we're going to do. Guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the only thing left is the final word, right? And uh, I just really can only end with. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, whatever other holidays that I don't even know about. Uh, <laughs> some of it, I'm sure, whatever holidays I don't know about were also stolen by the uh, from the pagans. But uh, the only other thing for me to say is uh, let's go Mets. Hope for a holiday in October next year. Well, don't stop there, if I may, for a second, Sam, just because, well, why not? We have the platform. Let's throw out a couple of other names they were thankful for and appreciative of their contributions to Bedford and Sullivan while we have a chance. Let's give a shout-out uh, to Mr. Phil Dixon. Let's give a shout-out to Mr. David Krell uh, and, and some others, if you care to share, uh, Mr. Erskine. Uh, again, why not? Uh, you know, cross-promotion. <laughs> but nevertheless, in, let, let's just in, be inclusive in the holiday spirit. Give a shout-out to Bedford and Sullivan again. Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs away, and I, I want to look up some of these names too, because there 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 are certainly some that uh, I, I remember Judy, of course. Uh, Got to give a big shout out to Judy, but I want to find her last name. Judy was just a lot of fun to talk to. I I flagged her down on like 79th Street while we were both heading to the West Side Highway. And she first thought, like, who's this crazy guy uh, uh, trying to hail me down? But the reason why I was trying to hail her down was because she had a license plate that had the Brooklyn Dodgers emblem on it. And so that's how we, we uh, got talking. Uh, Judy Kaiser, Judy Kaiser is probably, excuse me. She's from Midwood. Uh, that's somebody that we, we have to talk about. Uh, author David Krell, of course, who we've had on this podcast. Got to give a big shout-out to David Krell. We wish him uh, nothing but the best for 2021. He had a fantastic anthology book about the New York Mets come out this year. Uh, Larry King, yeah. I was lucky enough to once more have Larry King on, uh, episode 20, uh, and uh, somebody who was on our show, and we got to give a big shout-out to the original Frank Collins. Uh, 1962 New York Met also checked in on here, and he also checked in with Carl Erskine. And, and I've had Greg on. Uh, who gives kind of the National League legacy, the Brooklyn, the, the Brooklyn Borough historian Ron Schweiger, who, 
just levels uh, uh, anybody else on Brooklyn history. Uh, and like you said, Phil Dixon, who's just provided so much information on the Negro Leagues for us, uh, and, and Steve Dugan, who is, uh, I believe, from Mobile, Alabama, uh, born in South Carolina, excuse me, but he, he has practiced law for 40 years in Georgia and Mobile, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, and he really helped us kind of give, give an angle of what New York is like and the Brooklyn Dodgers were like from the perspective of the non-New Yorker, the non-Brooklynite, the, the, the one taking in New York from a pop culture level from down in the deep south. Uh, Julie Alexandria, uh, who uh, was on SNY in 2009 and, and I think a few other years, has done so much work on the field, uh, uh, on-field reporting, from uh, plenty of other stuff as well. Both her and her father, uh, Professor Don Schwartz, were on, uh, and he was born in Brooklyn and a big uh, Brooklyn fan, uh, a Dodgers fan, and, and uh, got to give a shout-out to uh, a Illinois Dodgers fan, Rob, Rob Barnes, who's just always a great perspective uh, of, of kind of the person who's taken in uh, uh, history uh, of the Dodgers as an L.A. fan, but also uh, loves the Brooklyn history. And um, that's basically where we are right now. And Howard Kelman, of course, is uh, as well on it with you, Mike. So thank you for, for – um, Thank you for improvising. If you didn't mention Andrew Schiff and his book about Henry Chadwick, if you did, you know, I'm doing it again. Uh, great book. Uh, I think no, we yeah. had a great uh, conversation with him. Uh, and we also had Perry Barber on the show. Uh, and she, she offered us a lot of insight into uh, umpiring in the minor leagues and things of that nature. So very fun episodes. We thank everyone, you know, in the year coming, uh, we hope to uh, try to expand our horizons, get some new voices, but certainly uh, bring on all our old friends uh, from 2020 and, 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 and back. So, uh, you know, I, I really have no last words other than to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays. I, I hope it's peaceful and, and calm. And, uh, you know, you can enjoy it best you can. Unfortunately, this pandemic places restrictions on us. And, you know, we all have to live it. This is the distraction we like to say here at a Metzian podcast. Uh, you know, my mother's ap- apprehensive about coming over my house because uh, of, of the number we're contemplating and one or two people potentially coming from out of state. Me and my wife are in the process of debating the whole matter and calling it all off. You know, so we're right there next year. We live the same life. Uh, Not the same life, but, you know, we have to endure the same hardships that everyone else is. This is just, you know, as we say here, the distraction. Uh, Rich, any more words or any more topics we didn't touch upon that you care to? I lost the call. I have to get Rich back. Uh, okay, no problem. Then, so on behalf of Rich, you know, Merry Christmas, Sam. Anything else you'd like to get out there? Otherwise, you know, I, I'm just so humbled uh, for every word that we we unwrapped this evening. Uh, I was just so happy that uh, everyone uh, was so willing to contribute. Uh, their affability is just off the charts. Uh, so appreciative. Thank you. Uh, 
you know, one of many uh, uh, items in this holiday season that's just going to make it special and one to remember. Sam? Well, I'm going to pass it over to Rich because we have Rich back on. Pardon all right. On. That's all right. Um, thank you for calling back. So, yeah, you know, my final thoughts would be, um, hey, we got through 2020 together, right? Um, so let's get through however far we have to push into 2021 doing the same thing. And, you know, what, whether if this podcast provides any kind of uh, normalcy or any kind of relief or, or a, a respite for anyone, that's great. It certainly does it for us. And we thank you uh, all for listening and helping us get through it ourselves and helping, again, like I said earlier, it's community. You know, this is a community, not only on this podcast, but being baseball fans and Mets fans. And this is what people do in times of adversity. They tend to band together. And this is a small way of doing that. And, you know, let's hope if we could just stay the course, uh, let the science do what it has to do. And, you know, I agree with you, Sam. I think um, what I keep telling people my opinion is, is that, you know, Christmas obviously is not normal, nor will New Year's be, nor will Easter and, and Passover be. But uh, but when we get around to June-ish, uh, I'm thinking that everybody in this country should be able to have and hopefully will have the most kick-ass 4th of July celebration because hopefully by then, <laughs> right, by then, yeah, good it'll be well under control. You can see your friends. And if that's the time, you know, if it's June when everybody's vaccinated and all that kind of thing, have yourself the big-ass 4th of July party. Um, today I called it an Uber party. Make sure it's the kind of party everybody has to Uber home. So, um, But the, maybe that's where we are. And, you know, and if we get half a season at City Field, great that that's better than this year and so you know let's get, and like, we'll help each other by doing these things that we do um we'll get together when we can and uh and let's stay the course and let's make <laughs> sure to stay the course in a lift vehicle just want well, to, let's, all right that's right that out there. <laughs> well on a, on, a, on a fun note i sent an inter-office email to the boys and I elected myself the chief of ball-breaking operations. So I, my promise to everyone is that no matter what we did in 2020, we're going to try our best to improve in 2021 and give you a better product. Uh, <laughs> I figured I'd have a little fun at everyone's expense. But, yeah, I will be breaking you guys' balls. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Then, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you nominate you. <laughs> <laughs> Take us away, Mr. President. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year. And the only other way to end it is let's go Mets. Thank you all. Take good good care. Good night. Let's let's go Mets. Mets. Merry Christmas, everyone. Peace on Earth. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.